0: You can be seated. Thanks, worship team. You guys, great job. We appreciate them so much. And my name is Ross Anderson. I'm one of our teaching pastors here at Alpine Church. And today, we're taking a break from the series that we began. We're doing a a series called The Jesus Way. It's from the uh, part of the Sermon on the Mount, how people who follow Jesus as king live in daily life. We're taking a break today because we want to recognize moms today. So the first official Mother's Day, you might be surprised to know it was not started by a greeting card company or a florist or anything like that, right? The first official Mother's Day was started in May 1908 at a Methodist church in Grafton, West Virginia, and I don't know where that is either, and... um, it, but it was designed as a celebration of the achievements of women. It was like 1908 was, was like the culmination of the women's suffrage movement and the, the prominence of, that women were taking and more and more in American society. And part of the culmination of that was this Mother's Day celebration. And by 1912, in just four years, in many different states and cities and, and uh, religious groups had adopted Mother's Day as... A, a national, uh, um, rather an annual holiday, and it was it was in 1914 that President Woodrow Wilson proclaimed it to be actually a national holiday and has been since, the first uh, or the second um, Sunday of every May. Now, this being America, it wasn't very long before the florists and the greeting card companies and, and department stores and other merchants did get involved in uh, taking advantage of the vast popularity that Mother's Day had had rapidly become, and and pretty soon the founder of Mother's Day, she had become so disgusted with the commercialization of it that she actually spent the rest of her life campaigning to have Mother's Day removed from the national calendar because it went so far against the values that she that she wanted to inculcate in the first place. So my point is that Mother's Day is not a biblical holiday. It's not like Good Friday or Easter Sunday or some of the other things that we celebrate that are part of, you know, that God's redemptive history. But, but we're recognizing it today because motherhood itself is a big deal in the Bible. Motherhood is important. In fact, mothers play this immensely huge role in the story of God's work in humanity and have a very prominent place in some of the most important biblical stories, starting with Eve, who is known as the mother. Her name means mother of humanity, all the way up to, to G, uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and her important role bringing the Savior into the world, and, and many, many other women as well. And so, What we want to do today, I want you to understand that God has a high view of mothers, and so should we. Okay, this is not just a cultural thing. It's not just driven by commerce or whatever. This is, this is a biblical ideal. God has a high view of mothers. And, and if you are a mom today, I want you to know how much God loves you, how much God honors you, and how powerfully God can use you in your life and the lives of others. Now, everybody has a mom. All right, let, let's do a little quick straw poll. How many of you have a mom? <laughs> okay, those of you who did not raise a hand, I'm wondering... Are you like a space alien or something? How did you get here? Like, well, if you have a mom, as you do, maybe your mom is gone and, and, and you're, you don't have the opportunity any longer, but I, I want you to see that person as God sees them and let them know how much you love them and how much you honor them as well today. Now, so there's a couple things I want to explore together with you. The first one is that God cares for mothers no matter their situation. Because the Bible gives lots and lots of examples of God's care and provision and concern for mothers. And one, the one example I want to camp on a little bit today is, that demonstrates this is the life of a woman named Naomi. Now her story is told in the Old Testament book of Ruth. And so Naomi, when the story begins, she finds herself, her husband has just died. And her only children, two, two adult sons she has, they've also died. And so um, she's going to return to her husband's hometown because he had inherited some land there. That's her her kind of only hope, her only move that she has available to her. So you have this grieving mother. She's bereaved. She has left these two daughters-in-law that the women married to her sons, and 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 so she's urging them to just look, leave me. Don't worry about me. You need you're young enough. You can go start over again. Go back to your hometown, and and you can start a new family or whatever it might be. She has no grandkids from from the, her two sons or anything. It's just going to be her. And so we we get a, a picture of of her frame of mind in Ruth chapter one, where she says things are far more bitter for me than for you, she says to her daughters-in-law, because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. Moms, you ever feel that way? Like like, like things are tough. You're, maybe you're, Naomi here, she's beaten down by life. She's even questioning God. Uh, man, it's tough being a mom. And it's because, because as a mother she's been bereaved, but... but I know that there's times in our life, maybe as a mother, where you feel like, man, that thing, things are pretty bitter right now. I wonder even if God is around. I wonder if God is, is with me or he's even involved in what's going on in my life right now. Because it's just tough. It can be so tough. And a few verses later, she expresses this. She says, don't even call me Naomi. Instead, call me Mara, for the Almighty has made life very bitter for me. See, the word Naomi means pleasant, and the, and the name Mara means bitter. So sometimes, you know, sometimes motherhood is pleasant, and you're enjoying, it's great, you know, things are going so great, and your kids are, you know, just turning out the way you hoped, and they're achieving stuff, and they love each other, and other times, motherhood is bitter, because we live in this fallen, this broken world, and you um, kids make their own choices sometimes they're bad choices and and sometimes we we wish we could do things differently and had more to offer and, and and so Naomi's at a place in her life where where motherhood is really painful for her now let's fast forward to chapter 4 the end of the book one of her daughters-in-law has gone home to her hometown she's going to take a fresh start but the other one stayed with Naomi that that woman is named Ruth and the book is named after her and and So Naomi's now back where her husband grew up. And as a widow, she's forced to sell that land that was in the family that she inherited through him. She's forced to sell it in order to survive. She has no one to look after, to take care of her in that culture. It was tough for a woman who was alone. And so this distant relative named Boaz steps in, and he agrees to buy the land, and so Naomi now has at least, she's going to be cared for. She has at least some financial security, but also what happens, and it's an interesting, really intriguing story if you get a chance to go read it. It's only four chapters long to see how God's at work, it, it turns out that Boaz also marries Ruth, and so Naomi is secure for the rest of her life, and she's actually incorporated into a family again. She's got a family again, And soon, Ruth, with Boaz, has a son, a son named Obed. And in the Old Testament legal system, because they were interested in maintaining the lineage of each family line, in the Old Testament system, Obed was technically the heir of Ruth's dead husband. So technically, even though they're not biologically related, she's technically Naomi's grandson. And so Obed, we learn at the very end of the book of Ruth, that he has a grandson. His grandson is King David. And so Naomi and her family have this very special place in the whole history of Israel. And through David, the whole redemptive history, really, um, of God's work in the world. And so it's very clear once you see all the twists and turns of the story and you see how it resolves from chapter 1 to chapter 4 that God is at work in Naomi's story. That God is setting things up. That God is moving the pieces around. That God is the one who brings Boaz into place just at the right time. That God is watching over and providing for Naomi from day one and guiding her at every turn. And so instead of now calling her bitter... Look what the women in her town are talking about. They're saying, praise the Lord who has now provided a redeemer for your family. May he restore your youth and care for you in your old age. And you could get, look at a lot more uh, examples in the Bible of God's care and concern and love and involvement with and support for mothers. Motherhood, you know, I'm speaking, of course, as an outsider here, right? Right? Speaking from my observation, not from my experience. But it seems to be that motherhood can be one of the greatest experiences of life. It can also be the hardest. And you've got this this, this polar thing going on. And the stress... And the responsibilities and the disappointments and the hopes and the, and the broken dreams and the, just the aspirations and just the hard work can make you wonder sometimes, like Naomi, if God is really even there for you. If God has somehow raised a fist against you at times in your life. And you may feel very alone. You may feel underappreciated. You may feel like you're just stretched to your limits and you don't know how you can just do it for another day. That's why I want you to know that God loves you, that God cares about you. He knows what you're dealing with in your life, and he's there when you don't feel it. He's there when you don't see it. He's there in the times of blessing and in the times of struggle. He's at work all along the way, working out his good plans for your life. So God cares for mothers, no matter the situation, good or bad. Now let's build on that. I want to show you one another thing that we see that's just just in um, woven into the whole fabric and the whole worldview of Scripture, and that is God. God just honors mothers, even ordinary, especially ordinary mothers. So here's the thing: is that God has placed mothers in a in a position in human experience, in society, in the family, in a position that demands honor and respect. It's built into the Ten Commandments. It's this principle that we owe to our moms, this honor and the respect. It's not, and, and it's really built into the whole fabric of God's created order. Certainly in the fabric of Israel's life, it was built into their very covenant relationship with God. And so we see in the Ten Commandments, Leviticus 19, each of you must show great respect for your mother and father. Now, I've, I realized as I was reading this this week, kind of prepping for, to share with you guys today, I realized that when I read that, my mind always just goes generic to parents. Honor your parents. But that's not what it says. It says, honor your mother and your father. Mother's named specifically, and she's named first for whatever reason. And so I wanted to, to focus on that particular thing, that, that, that this is important. This is what God says is at the heart of society. These ten commandments from him, this is one of them. And it's not just for ancient Israel. This is a universal principle. And we know that it it extends into the present day. We know that because it's restated in the New Testament, which means it's not just for Israel alone, but for all of God's people everywhere through all time. In Ephesians chapter 6, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Now, there he does use the generic. but But now he says, honor, what, your mother and Father. So, he, so Paul, the Apostle Paul, is quoting directly from the Old Testament, from the Ten Commandments, but he's, in, he's interpreting and extending that for us a little bit, showing us the application of that. And so he says, look, part of honoring your mom is doing what she says, is being obedient to her, right? Now that doesn't apply Uh, in the same way when you have grown up and you've set up your own home and your own family and living on your own. Um, But look, if you're still living at home, then you honor your mom by obeying her. I don't care if you're 13 or 30. If you're living at home, then this is part of what it means to honor honor your mom, is that you follow her rules for the household, that you uh, don't give her grief when she asks you to help that you don't give her this like passive-aggressive attitude or whatever it might be. It's part of honoring your mom. But no matter how old you are or whose house you live in, the honor part always applies. Still applies today. It's talking about how we treat our moms, how we speak to our moms, how we speak about them to other people as well. You know, even if she wasn't a very good mom. Now, look, I've been around en- enough years to know that there's a lot of moms who struggle with motherhood, who, who weren't very good, that there's moms who raise their kids uh, while struggling with an addiction. There's moms who uh, have emotional problems trying to raise their kids. There's, there's moms who grew up in a dysfunctional household themselves, so they never learned how to, how to nurture and how to provide the things that we mothers usually provide. And so I know that not everybody here has had a very good mom, but God still says that we treat them with respect. Now, that doesn't mean you, that you don't have to have boundaries. Sometimes you have to have boundaries. You respect your mom while, while you say, no, you can't come to our house, you know, all the time or whatever. It doesn't mean you have to be, you know, best friends and, and go shopping together and all the rest. Um... It doesn't mean you have to agree about life or philosophy of parenting or anything, really, but there's still this sense that you, you, there's still some level of respect that she is owed just because she's a mom and because she's your mom. Okay, that's, what God, that's the way God set up the universe. And so ultimately then when, when you honor your mom, you're really honoring God, right? When you honor your, the other moms in your life moms around you, that maybe they're not your mom directly. Like Mark mentioned, he has a number of different moms in a sense, right? A lot of us have women in our lives that that we honor and respect as moms, and, and that's, that's really what they deserve. There's some level of respect. And when we do that, we're honoring God as well. Now, one reason... Why moms are worthy of respect, generally speaking, you know, I know that there's some who who aren't going to fit the bill here, but again, but generally speaking, moms are worthy of respect. Proverbs chapter 31 tells one reason why. It says she's clothed with strength and dignity, and she laughs without fear of failure. Now, of course, this is a generalization, right? I know that every one of you moms has times when you've been afraid of failure, Or you feel like you failed, and you're not laughing; you're crying, right? But but here's the thing I noticed that jumped out at me is this: in this verse, is that moms are strong. Mom, that you have to be, to do that role, you have to be strong. Even ordinary. This is not talking about super mom. Like we all can, we all can name somebody that looks like super mom. I don't know what they're like behind closed doors right but but in public they've got it all together their kids are all you know obedient all the time in the store they don't they don't you know complain to get candy they don't have a temper tantrum never seen those kids have a temper tantrum you know maybe they're on drugs or something i don't know but <laughs> This is, this is the mom, you see oh, their kids are all dressed perfectly and they all match and, and she's all put together all the time and, and their kids are golden and they're getting on the honor roll and they're the captain of the basketball team and all the rest, you know. So you're going, well, that's not an ordinary mom. Ordinary moms are strong. I know moms who've lost a child in our own family and in our church. Yeah, you, you have to be strong. And that grief, that, that sorrow creates a depth of soul that creates a dignity that he mentions in this verse. I know moms who have to go it alone. Maybe they're widowed at a young age. I know some, and or their husband is deployed for months on end, or the, the dad of their kids just took off. That's a strength that I don't have, just grinding it out day after day after day, maybe with, maybe with more than one kid you know, in, under, under the age of five, and it's like, man, you, you just have to be strong. I think of my own mom. She had 10 kids in 16 years. We calculated one time that from the conception of my oldest sister to the birth of my youngest sister, my mom was pregnant about 65% of the time. She's strong. She's not with us anymore. She's gone, but, but she had to be strong. So I see ordinary moms rising to the occasion again and again and again, defying the odds, doing the impossible. You know, listen, if, you, if, you're, if your mom is still around, if you're still living at home, it's easy to take our mom for granted, right? She's got your lunch ready for you every morning when you head out the door to school You know, clean clothes magically appear in your drawer every week. You think, oh, we must have a laundry fairy. Yeah, her name is Mom, okay? So God says, honor your mom, treat her with respect. And one way to do that is just let let your mom know. Let other moms know. while we're in Proverbs, a couple verses later, it says, her children rise and call her blessed. That idea of rising, standing, that's a a sign of honor, like like when an important dignitary enters the room, you know, you rise, or um, it's a sign of going public. So it's not just your private, what you tell your mom, you know, in a private moment, but what you say publicly, how do you publicly honor her in your words, in your attitudes, in your actions, not just on Mother's Day brunch. Hope you enjoy that today, whatever you got planned today. But it's you know what's going on all year long. We honor our moms and rise up and tell her that. Now, one important way in the Bible to honor our mothers is to listen to and follow their teaching. Look at Proverbs chapter one. He says, "My child, listen to what your listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instruction." And what you learn from them will crown you with grace and be a chain of honor around your neck. So both parents have a role, but he's talking about mom's role here. To your mother's instruction, that's like that's like a chain, that's an adornment. It's gonna make your life look better. It's gonna, it's gonna bless you to have to follow your mother's instruction. And of course, that's especially true when your mom's instructing you out of the Bible and, and she's sharing with you the truth of God's word and how God's universal, unchanging truths apply to your life. But I want to I stretch that just a little bit too because the book of Proverbs is very practical. It's not theological. It's very practical about how to do things in life. And so I think this is also just about honoring the wisdom that life brings that your mom has, has gained. Your mom's been, been through it all. She's, been, uh, she's learned a lot in all these years. Teens, teens, Teenagers, you know, you may think your mom is so clueless. And to be honest, she is. In some ways. In all the ways that don't really matter. Like fashion and technology and the, and the, the cool words and stuff like that. I said cool, that's not even cool, right? To say cool. Your mom doesn't know that. She'll say cool. In all the ways that don't matter, your mom might be really clueless. Okay? I grant that. But you know what? When it comes to life... She has wisdom that's born from experience. Your mom has been through stuff. Sometimes she had to learn things the hard way. She might have scars from decisions that she made when she was younger that that she doesn't want you to have to go through that. She doesn't have to be a professional counselor, she doesn't have to be some kind of best selling author. She certainly doesn't need to be a social media influencer to have more wisdom than you in life. So you need to listen to her and honor her for that experience that God has given her in life. So moms, you know what? Thank you for the input that you've given. Thank you for the wisdom that you've imparted to us. Thank you for all the eye rolls and all the attitude that you've endured over the years. Thank you for how you persevered when we weren't listening. We just want to honor you today. And part of that, you see, see, so here's where we what we see. God, God cares about mothers in any kind of circumstance. When He's there for us, He's there for you in the tough times and the good times. And, And you deserve respect. He's built that into the fabric of creation and the fabric of society because you're strong and you're wise. And that leads us uh, to the third thing I want to share with you today from Scripture, and that is that God uses mothers of faith. God uses you. God, being a mom puts you in a place, because of, because of the way God set this thing up, being a mother puts you in a place where God can work through you in the lives of other people, not just limited to your children, but certainly that's a big part of it, right? That God can work through you. And the New Testament gives us one really great example. It's in the life of this guy named Timothy. Now, Timothy was a protege, a ministry partner with the Apostle Paul. And in fact, the Apostle Paul wrote two letters to Timothy that are now in the New Testament. Can you remember what they are? Oh, First and Second Timothy, okay. There's your Bible lesson for the day. So in 2 Timothy, Paul is older now. He's running out of gas. He doesn't know if he has a lot of time left. And so he wants to emphasize to Timothy the key things about life and ministry as he's trying to pass the baton to the next generation. And one of the things he emphasizes, he says to Timothy, look, it's important for you to appreciate the influence of these key women in your life. And he, t- he talks about two key women in Timothy's life. So in 2 Timothy chapter 1, he says, I remember your genuine faith for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. So Timothy came from a family of faith and the influence of these women in his life. First his grandma came to faith and then his mom came to faith and then they they led him to, to trust in Jesus as well. We see that in chapter three where Paul says, you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they're true for you know you can trust those who taught you. He's talking about his mom and his grandma because the next line says, you've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. And by the way, it wasn't a Sunday school teacher because that didn't have that back then, right? Who was it? It was his mother. They have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. So Timothy's mom and her mom taught him the Holy Scriptures, taught him the Bible from his childhood. They taught him everything that he needed to trust in Jesus for salvation. Now, if you connect the dots, you realize Timothy was a pretty important player in the expansion of Christianity in its first century. He was a pretty important character in the establishment of the Christian church in, in the ancient world. And he, his life, he, had, he, changed, he helped to change the world. But it was these two mothers who started that ball rolling. Without them, what is Timothy? I bet when they were training him as a child to follow Jesus, they had no idea what God was going to do. They had no idea that he was going to have this this impact and this legacy. And likewise, we don't know what impact our parenting is going to have in the lives of our kids, of our children. But God can use you as a Christian mother beyond what you might even dream. And maybe only eternity will, will reveal what the legacy and the impact of that might be. I don't bring that up today to lay some new obligation on you as a mother. I'm not trying to say here you're not living up to this opportunity whatever. You know what? I know enough moms. I know that you probably put more than enough demands upon yourself without me having to help, right? That's the way moms are. You're conscientious, you care. But I'm bringing it up today to, just to encourage you that what you do matters. It matters. I'm sure you have not always felt like it matters. I'm sure you've felt like your kids aren't getting it, and they're not following, and that no matter how hard you try, and there's a million things you can think of that you wish you had done, looking back in retrospect, or a million more things that you wish you had done differently than you did. Believe me, I know that. We can all think of those things. Like, my kids are adults now. Between Sally and I, we have five, you know, two, son of hers and mine, and we they're all adults now and they're not all following Jesus. That's one of the hard things about being a mom, right? Is as you've imparted this faith and you've and you've shared with them from the holy scriptures and they but but you know what? God's allowed human beings to make their choices. And our kids included. And that, and that can break our hearts sometimes. We can't force them to to, to do a certain thing, to make a certain choice. My kids are not all following Jesus right now, but as I look at their lives and I see their adult lives developing, they don't reflect everything that I had hoped for them, but over time I see more and more of the legacy of their mothers in them. Even the ones who don't profess faith in Christ, there's still some important things, important principles, important values that their their moms have passed down to them. So is it the legacy of perfect motherhood? No, not by a long shot. But is it impactful? There's no doubt. No doubt at all. So I just want to encourage you today to start with whatever faith you have. Maybe your faith in in Christ is brand new. Or maybe you're seasoned in, in your faith. Wherever you're at, just keep growing it. Find a women's group to be a part of or a small group with your your spouse or request a mentor. There's there's so many ways to keep cultivating your faith and and then then whenever you have an opportunity, you bring it into the lives of your kids. I know that's going to look really different depending on the age and stage of life. How you're going to bring it into the life of your child when they're five or when they're 25. But as you continue to do that, Trusting God for the strength to do that, for the wisdom to do that, then let's just see what God can do through you. You know, we may not see it all until we're on the other side. But I just want to remind you and assure you today that that God loves you. Moms, God loves you. You matter. What you do really matters. We love you. We respect you today. You have the hardest job in the world. It's a calling that really counts. So I want to thank you for everything that you poured into that calling, for your strength, for your wisdom, for hanging in there and trusting God when it's tough. Love you, Mom. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for these women in our lives. Every, all over the place in terms of their parenthood and, and where they're at, the stages, the phases, where their kids are at. We just thank you for every single one of them, not just because of visible results, but because of the position that you've given them, for the value that you've placed on them. Father, for, uh, just for the strength and wisdom that you've given them. Thank you, Father. And we pray for your Holy Spirit to, to come and bring encouragement and strength to every single woman in the room today. Moms and surrogate moms and future moms and never moms. And, and Father, how, however you've used these women to impact the lives of the next generation, we, we pray for your Holy Spirit to bring strength and encouragement, to bring hope for them to know that you're there with them, guiding their steps, encouraging them every step of the way in the good times and in the bad. We trust you for that today. May we all go from here with the encouragement of your spirit on our hearts. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.